You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to On the Bench, fellas. We have some stuff to go over. I feel like feel like we need to work through some things emotionally right now. Are we ready for this? Josh, are you ready to rip? I am ready to rip. <laughs> All right. All right. I do like you, it. Do you two like each other today? Like, are uh, we back on yeah, the terms? Yeah, I, I think we're okay. I, think I we're like Brendan there. every day except for like 15 minutes out of that day. Yeah, you pretty much hated him on Thursday. For 15 minutes. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Josh was overreacting a little bit, but we don't have to go back down that road. We do not have to go back down that road. What we do have to go back over a little bit is Florida State's 41 to 17 loss to Pittsburgh. I don't want to necessarily like do the autopsy on that game because I don't think there's a whole lot to glean from it, but more so the fallout uh, in the day or so coming after it. I think that's where we're going to start this podcast. We have some tea for you guys, some hot, delicious tea to sip on. Chris, I'm going to throw this to you. We have we have some veterans, right? Some veterans that are weighing their options, I guess is a safe way to to put it. And I'll I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, I was told definitively yesterday morning that James Blackman was gonna opt out. The person that told me that I trust wholeheartedly, but in any case, you want to always try to get two to three sources on something and get it from each side, sort of. So we worked that yesterday. We kind of learned along the way that. That may happen. It hasn't definitively actually happened yet. So that's where we sit with that. But that conversation, that uh, checking on that information led us to realize that there's several guys that are kind of in that boat. And, you know, I I think people understand who is sort of in that boat. Marvin Wilson didn't play due to injury. And, yes, he is legitimately injured to some degree. But one has to wonder, will he play again in the final month of the season before likely going pro? Tamorian Terry, guy coming off getting cut on, is another guy that immediately comes to mind. And I know we definitively checked on. And again, frustration, concern, but not yet at a point where he's deciding anything regarding his future. But he is a guy coming off injury, only got the ball thrown at him three times on Saturday, two receptions, one pass interference as a production of those three. You know, FSU is not exactly a very good passing offense right now. So, does he consider packing it up, getting healthy, moving on from there, and figuring out what's next for him? So nobody's made a definitive decision to the point where they've been removed from the roster, entered the transfer portal, definitively said they were opting out. But there are multiple individuals on this team, predominantly veteran types, that are making, at least contemplating the possibility of doing so. Meanwhile, the team gets ready to play NC State in a couple of days. I mean, this is... Like, I know Chris says it so eloquently and and puts it together, but, like, does this not sound crazy to everybody that you got veteran players that are thinking about whether or not they want to finish the season? Meanwhile, like, the time just keeps ticking, and we got to go on the road to play NC State here in a couple of days who just threw up 40-some points against Miami. I I mean, this sounds – this is, like – this sounds crazy to me, but I – I mean, I guess I can understand it because some of these guys are, they're just making business decisions at this point. This is FSU 2020, buddy. We we've worked our way here to this level of crazy. Um, You know, things have been going on for years on end here. You know, it's, there was never a calm day on this beat anymore. It just doesn't work that way. Josh, why why are you surprised? I guess, why are you, why does this sound crazy to you, Josh? Or why are you surprised by this? Chris also mute your uh, phone because it goes off whenever you get a text message. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, like I said, it's just because we're trying to prepare for a game and Mike Norvell talks about buy-in and culture. Like you can talk about all these great things and they sound good, but like that's not happening. You got guys literally in in playing purgatory. Like they're, I guess they're kind of at practice. I mean, I'm sure they're going to practice, but if no, there's actually some guys who mispracticed on Sunday. I can confirm that. Okay, right. So, yeah. so important. The, guys. I, the wheels are off. <laughs> the wheels are I, off. I think the, almost if you're Mike Norvell, do you just have to tell these guys that are thinking about it just to go? Uh, you got to balance it. It's kind of a tough deal to do this year. And some there's so many layers to this. For example, opt out. That that phrase is one knows that makes certain players uncomfortable to use. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of guys who opt out, especially at this point in the process, they're quitting. I mean, let, let's not mince words. That's what it is. It's not opting out because of their concern for their health in the sense of COVID. You know, they've played. They've been playing for weeks on end. They practice. They're 12, 14, 16 weeks into this process of dealing with that. So if they're opting out now, it's a business decision slash quitting. And I got no problem with it. If you want to go, go. That's the point this program is at. But I, going back to buy-in, there just isn't buy-in. In general, there's some, no doubt. There are some players that certainly have done it. I think you can point to some of the transfers in, some of the younger guys, some of the guys that are playing more. But there are guys who have never been bought into this process this year, and this is where we're at with that. Or if they were bought in, that went away very quickly. So it wasn't really legitimate. They, they, yeah, they it wasn't really legitimate buy-in. Buy in. Yeah, it was, It's yeah. just talk. Uh, Surface-level buy-in. <laughs> Which the worst some guys around these parts love doing, but they don't put any substance behind the words. They squawk when they beat one team, but then they go out and get their ass rolled by the next two. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't be that. You got to, if you're going to walk the walk, you got to do it on a consistent basis. And FSU's f- football team is incapable of that. And there's way too many guys who just kind of, it needs to be done. Like the chapter needs to be closed, yeah. it needs to end. You're going to be bad because you're doing so. You're going to have a depleted roster because you're doing so you know, a purge or roster turnover, however you want to phrase it, it's not necessarily a good thing in the sense of turning you into a good program. But for this program at this point, we're at a point where things need to come to a conclusion for there to be any form of actually aggressively trying to rebuild. And just because you're trying to rebuild doesn't mean it's going to turn out either. But they're at that point. They're at that juncture where you don't need to hang on to guys you don't think are into it. You don't need to have those guys around. You don't need those guys infecting the locker room. You don't need those guys to essentially be here to decide in the next 12 months if they actually want to do something in the next 12 months. If they don't want to do it today, they need to be gone. I have a, I have two thoughts on the concept of the roster like turnover idea. One is I think we usually overblow it or, or tend to overblow when you hear like this whole thing needs to be flipped it's not going to be 20 guys at a time or there's like wholesale attrition. Uh, we've seen about five or so already kind of moved off the roster for various reasons since Mike Norvell got here. I think another five to 10 total by the start of next season makes sense. That's not a complete flip in roster. That's one thing that I want to, to address there. The second, I think we can all agree that that's not the best method. Like ideally, like you want a coach to come in and get everyone to buy in and just start winning, right? Like that's that's the first and an ideal optimal scenario. This is now the realities you have to face is if they're not buying in, if they're not doing what I would prefer them to do as a coach, uh, then then we part ways amicably and, and move forward. But that yeah, puts if- FSU in a weird situation, Chris, right? Like because – you do have to finish out the season still. I think that's what both of you are discussing is you do still have to finish out the season. So do you tell everyone to take a hike who doesn't want to be here? I don't know. 
Well, I think 2020 is a wash at this point, obviously. It's an exhibition season, as we've liked to say. FSU's two and five and could very likely go two and nine. So who the hell really cares, to be perfectly honest? I think it would be better for FSU to go out there with 60 guys they know they can trust, play their backsides off, try to build off that, try to get experience, build for next year, then have 75 guys with 15 of them just being sort of dead weight on the roster. I just I, I think it's inconsequential. What's the difference? Maybe one win. I, it, it doesn't matter to me. I don't think it really matters to anybody operating this right now. I think the more important thing is you're trying to lay foundational groundwork for what you're going to be, what you're trying to become and all of that. The bigger issue is as there's output, guys exiting the program, you need input. And currently FSU's input of talent is not up to snuff in the sense of trying to balance uh, things out or even, you know, have some sort of rise. It's not there. So that's a concern. Josh, do you think the coaching staff is ultimately okay with some of that attrition if it does happen in the next week or so here? Like, do you think you think they're okay with what Chris mentioned, like say 60 a healthy bottom players versus 75 to finish? I think the so at this point. I think at this point you have to be because like I talked about before about guys being in and out, like do you really believe that a one of these veteran guys that's considering – leaving the program, do you really believe that the the team is better off on the field with them than without them right now? I think you are better off without them because moving forward, you're going to be without them. So you need to learn to be better off without them. Basically five of every seven players FSU relied upon on Saturday were youngsters. Mm-hmm. That's where this program's going. That's where so this program is. Define youngsters for us, please, Chris, and don't ever say youngsters again. <laughs> uh, essentially freshman, sophomore, redshirt, sophomore, you know, mm-hmm. under three years of, time here at FSU but a lot of young bodies out there on the field so they've already made it towards a youth movement Um, I know we had a little speed bump there at the start of the second half with Blackman being inserted but in general the youth movement has been very evident with this program for weeks on end that's where this is going that's the direction they want to go I think they want to sell on the recruiting trail that they're going to play young guys you know because at this point they got to have something to sell on the recruiting trail and the results aren't it Chris, you mentioned James Blackman. I want to get to that in a second. But first, let's do a quick uh, recognition of our sponsor, Market Square Liquors. I have a few things I want to highlight that they're doing coming up here. Uh, But first, Christopher, you stopped at Market Square Liquors the other day, and we're we're quite happy, my understanding is. Yeah, I bought uh, two of the four packs of the Espresso version of Cigar City, which is delicious. Cubano Espresso. Very good. And then also bought a uh, nice Maker Mark uh, cask for a good family friend who's a housewarming gift for them. I'll be able to participate in it. So I'm sure too. Awesome. Very nice. Yeah. That's a good idea is to get a, a bourbon that you'll enjoy as a housewarming gift. And then you'll be invited over to drink it quite frequently. Uh, so market square liquors is located off of Timberlane road in North Tallahassee. They, uh, they have a cool, a couple cool things coming up with events. One is going to be a wine tasting uh, later this month. I'll get you guys some information on that. Uh, soon here, but that's going to be a wine tasting. They'll be outdoors. They're going to have all sorts of different types of wines, reds, whites, whatever you want. It's going to be on November 22nd from 1 to 3 p.m. pre-Thanksgiving. That's going to be outside. It'll be 20 total wines from California, Italy, France, Australia. It's $15 per person with a $5 rebate on any tasting wine that's purchased. You can make reservations uh, to attend by calling them at 850-893- 9636. Also, you can go visit them on Facebook, Market Square Liquors. And, and I got hooked up with a bottle of their weekend usual edition. It's a uh, it's a Market Square Liquors specific uh, wine collaboration with winemaker Josh Clapper. 
It's a Cab Merlot full body blend. I have not cracked it open yet. I was supposed to do a steak this weekend and my grill wasn't working. So I'm going to do a, a pasta sauce later this week and, and go with the red wine to combine it with that. But uh, they have all sorts of cool stuff at Market Square Liquors. Go ahead, check them out off Timberlane Road. Let them know we sent you. All right, James Blackman. Uh, as Chris mentioned, we have reason to believe that, that he could be opting out. That's not official as we record this on Monday morning. We'll obviously update you guys on Knowles247.com as that as it happens, obviously, a fluid situation. As we've seen before, James is allowed to change his mind. He, he changed his mind when he started to enter the transfer portal a few years ago. So it's not a, a done deal yet. Did either of you, Josh, I'll throw this to you. Did you feel bad when James Blackman got placed in for one series, got booed, and then got taken out? Like I, I felt bad for him, but I'm also sensitive in that regard. So uh, did that bother you? I'm a little optimistic. So when I saw him trot out there, I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe we're going to reignite that fire. James Blackman, no. It didn't happen that way. Yeah, I felt bad for him. How can you not? Um, he's a good kid. Uh, his career as a quarterback at Florida State didn't work out the way anybody had hoped, but it's over. I mean, we can't do that again. Like, I, I understand Mike Norvell was looking for a spark, but, man, he, he had to search far and wide to find that spark. I mean – He's got Chubba Purdy there. He's got Rotomaker. He must have really, really needed a spark to put James Blackman in, and I think that's the last we see of him. I just – I was kind of shocked to see it, truthfully. I uh, I didn't really expect to see James play again this year. I mean, I, it was that simple. I don't wish anything negative on the kid. I felt bad that he threw the pick, but I, I think everybody kind of had a sense of doom in their belly when they saw him go out there that it wasn't going to turn out well, especially with the way Pitt can crash down. I, I thought he was going to get, you know, waxed in the backfield on, you know, potential sack fumble type of situation. But instead it was a pick when he kind of locked in on the left side there. So, yeah, it's disappointing for him. But that chapter ended, you know, what, five weeks ago now, Two six weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. So, like, I was kind of surprised to see us even reopen the book. People were critical, like an actual fairly large uh Contingent of the fan base, I thought more so than usual, were critical of Mike Norvell in game for some of his decisions. A couple of the fourth down calls in the game. Uh, let's see uh, some of the the skewing towards passing more in the second half. And and I can rationalize both of those. Actually, I mean the math that he he follows like in game, they actually have like a service where they're doing live analytics to see what would be the optimal play or I guess a scenario to, to go with, like whether to go for the, you know, for a field goal or to mm-hmm. go for it on fourth. Now they do that throughout the the game. So he's just playing the odds there. I don't have an but issue. What about the, the decision not to run that? I think your hands forced a little bit at that point. Um, but, but let's be honest, third quarter, they're down 14. Nobody on earth thought they were coming back to win that game. Right. So I don't get inserting Purdy and not at least trying to take some level of pressure off him by running it. Even if you're not going to have success running it, I think you got to attempt to do it here and there. The whole lining up and letting Pitt just tee off on him, I think it's, uh, you know, I don't think it helps Purdy along in this process of trying to get him experience. Right. Purdy was running for his damn life out there, and that that's nuts to me. And they didn't solely go away from the running game when Purdy came in. They had done it, you know, in the second quarter essentially. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think it was the best uh, tactic. No, and and yeah, we I, can, again, football minds, people who follow the sport casually, professionally, or you know, brilliant coaching minds can agree or disagree on, on certain situations there on whether that's right or wrong. The one thing I think almost like everyone 
was on the same page with was James Blackman going and was was poor for James Blackman. It was not good for the team. Uh, there was nothing beneficial to it. I don't know if it was to protect Chubba Purdy uh, or not to try to avoid like putting him in full time. Uh, but that was the one thing that I would say, like, I don't like to second guess coaches a ton. That That's the first time I've had a head scratcher where it didn't make sense to me. I, I didn't understand what, what Mike Norvell's logic was in, in that moment. He explained it after the game that, that they wanted to kind of spark the offense and uh, they had a plan to use both James and Chubba in the second half. But man, if you're going to play someone with that short of a leash, like with one mistake and you're done at, at that position, why put him in? I don't know. What are our thoughts on Chubba Purdy and how FSU should use him going forward? Josh, I'll start with you. Are you full on? Like, let's see what what, what FSU has in Chubba at this point. I'm full on, yeah. You're absolutely. full on Chubba. Okay. I'm full on Chubba at this point. Can we get shirts made of that? Um, I think like what Chris said, I would have liked to see what that offense would have looked like, like a true offense. I think you just come out in the third quarter, you put Chubba Purdy in and you, you maybe start it like it's the beginning of the game and just act like he's getting his reps in. I think it's too important not for him to get all the reps at this point, barring an injury or maybe, you know, uh, bringing Rotomaker in maybe to spell him here and there. I don't mind that, but, um, I think it, I think you go all in on Chubba Purdy for the rest of this season. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think I talked about it in the post game show that we did as well. That I think at this point you try to game plan around Chuba to give him the comfort level of, you know, first the script and then secondly, this is the preparation. This was for you. This is the offense that we're going to try to run, centering around you, building it around you, instead of him being inserted and running plays that are part of the offense as they kind of did in the back half of last game. It- and you have to see what you have in Chubba Purdy too, uh, whether that's someone that you feel like you can legitimately build around. Because I think we start weighing decisions on, no one's told me this is just assuming, but whether FSU would be well served to try to bring in a graduate transfer quarterback next year, right? Like, I think that's what we have to kind of start weighing. Jordan Travis is as nice of a spark that he was. He's exited three out of the last four games early and frankly probably should have left the UNC game early too and, and played through it. He's someone that you just can't build your offense around functionally, like Josh has been saying. So if you want to see if Chubba Purdy's the man, I get it. I think that's the right move, but I think that's what you use the next month for is to determine whether he's someone who can consistently grow and and develop. Do we think that's a possibility, like to to vet whether they have to readdress or re-explore the quarterback room after this year? I think you got to look at every option. Right. Yeah, I don't think they want a grad transfer quarterback. I think the preference is not to have to take one. Um, but you always got to be planning when it comes to quarterbacks. So quickly that room can go from being meaty and solid and where you're confident in what you have and what you're bringing in to, oh, man, that depth chart just emptied out. So you kind of always have to at least take a look. But I, I don't think that's going to be a position that they're going to aggressively pursue in the transfer portal. All right, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll wrap up the podcast uh, when we're back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, before we take a uh, one more dive into this football team, which is exhausting to talk about, I'm going to give Chris the platform to talk about all other FSU sports and just because I want to see him smile. <laughs> well, uh, as always, we have the NFL Knowles recap on the side. Not a big week for Dalvin Cook. Went over 200 rushing for the first time in his NFL career. Gabe Neighbors grabs in a touchdown. Jameis Winston sees some playing time. Check that out. We'll update it after Monday Night Football 2. Week ahead for FSU sports not named football includes the soccer team, which is number one ACC seed playing in the ACC tournament, Cary, North Carolina. They open with Notre Dame. You know, we expect them to probably play in the championship game. If I had to guess, it will probably be them and UNC. They're the best in the league in the fall season. Um, men's and women's basketball schedules are expected out this week. Finally, you know, they're both opening around Thanksgiving. The women, I believe are opening at FAMU. I know they definitely play at FAMU this season. I'm not hundred percent sure that's the opener. And then men are opening with Gardner Webb at home. I believe the day, day after Thanksgiving, uh, the APT top 25 is coming out today and tomorrow men today, women tomorrow. I think the men and women both have a good shot of being ranked preseason, especially the men who finished number four last season. And then uh, Wednesday is the early signing period for men's basketball. I expect all four of the current commitments to decide to sign during the early period, which is about a week long. So I think that's the main stuff. I know I've bored Josh with this, so I'll, I'll slow my roll and get back to football. I'm awake. Huh? Huh? What? I can want I, to discuss. Well, go ahead. Do you have anything? Can I Josh? pose my question? Yeah, I was thinking you were going to avoid it, but go go for it. I just wanted to know, is this the worst FSU team in school history? I don't know about school history, but in my lifetime, which spans since 1983, yes. I thought so. I was just, you know, and I'd like to actually go back and maybe check, but I I mean, talent-wise, deficit-wise, just the holes in the roster, this this has to be. Also, it, you know, coupled with the year, do, do we just give this year a pass? There's some of that to 2020. Yes, that's not to you know, give FSU specifically a, a pass, but yes. At it. Yeah, I mean, football is bad this year mm-hmm. nationally on a national scale, but FSU is especially bad. Um, the reason I feel like it's the worst year is, you know, when I think of bad teams in my lifetime, I obviously think of like that Gregory team that needed the punt return to keep the ball streak against Maryland, for example. Right. I think about some of the recent teams under Willie and that last Jimbo team. All bad teams, all teams that are underwhelmed, but this team's non-competitive for the most part, and it's got so many issues that yeah, I, I think it's by far the worst. Like non-competitive they, they, against teams like like Pittsburgh was zero and four in its last four games going into this game. Louisville was zero and four before last week's game, and they both beat Florida State by what four four scores? Yeah, yeah. I mean UNC is the one bright spot of this season, but other than that, eh. Oh, we always have the, the second half against the Jackson UNC. State. The shine on that win is is somewhat faded since the yeah since the game was played too. But yeah, John, but UNC is still a threatening team. UNC is still a capable team. I know they lost to UVA and they have another loss on there, right? They have three now, correct? Mm-hmm. No, don't yeah, don't um, explain it. They didn't have they didn't have any losses when Florida State played. Now they have two. Don't don't forget it, Chris. Josh is right. That that win lost its shine. 
we ain't dressing that up. It was nice in the moment that we'll always have that. It was a really fun, fun evening to cover that game. Uh, Josh, you asked if this will be kind of like a throwaway year. I think it depends really what happens in the next few years of, of Mike Norvell's tenure. Like mm-hmm. if he turns this around then people are going to say, yeah, this was a year zero and it was just crazy circumstances with the transition between Jimbo Fisher to Willie Taggart to him and multiple truncated recruiting classes in COVID year. Uh, but, but if he has more years like this one and never gets it off the ground, then we're just going to say this was just part of the beginning of the end of his era too. So TBD. TBD. Hey, why isn't Amari Gaynor playing more? Do we know? Do we have a reason for that? No. He's too good. Are they tanking is your is your philosophy? No, he played about like 20, uh, 20 something snaps out of about 60, 70 plays. Uh, so he's on the field about a third of the time. And he's probably FSU's most consistent defensive player at this point. I just don't understand it. That's something that we're going to have to try to dig around on this week and get more clarification from, from the coaching staff. Uh, why why they're continually not playing him more. I understood it against UNC. That's what the matchup dictated. Uh, but this week, and then even last week against Louisville, it's just, I don't know, it's tough to comprehend. Chris, what are, what are questions or answers or things you're looking for this week as we have Mike Ravel coming up here at noon press conference? Uh, I mean, wondering about some of the guys that were unavailable to safeties, Marvin Wilson. I, I still think Wilson's going to be unavailable. You know, any clarification on opt-outs, transfer-outs, if there's any of that yet. I know, for example, like with Blackman, I was told there were conversations being had between Blackman and the staff. So I don't think it's one of these things where a kid's doing it entirely independently. He is actually talking to the people involved. Um, I don't expect many answers. We're sort of at that point where things are what they are. We're going to have no transfers, no roster attrition this week, and the message board's going to come for us. Me specifically. I got I got a question. Th- for Chris. Thanks for planting that seed, Snow, and I, I really just, appreciate it. I just want you to know how my brain works in, in terms of anticipatory anxiety, and I want to spread it because misery loves company. Mm. Since we don't have a lot to talk about in recruiting, I want to ask Chris if tanking was a thing <laughs> in recruiting, who would you tank for right now? Uh, Corey Foreman. I would go with Terry and Arnold just because I think tanking for Terry and has like a little. You like how it sounds. It. Yeah. If you could add one first round draft pick via the transfer portal, so for 2022 draft, first round draft pick at the transfer portal for one year, what position group would you want that, that optimal offensive pick to tackle? Be? Can I take Notre Dame's offensive line? No, you can take one position. Well, I'm making my rule. I'm taking all damn offensive line and defensive line. Hell, I'll just take Notre Dame's team. All right. <laughs> For Notre Dame's uh, On the Bench podcast, I am Brendan Sado. Thanks to Christy and Josh Newberg for joining me. We'll talk to you. Not yelling at you. And we made it. Well, we made it. Yell at me real quick before we go. No, I love you. All right. I love you guys. Bye. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.